Amen. Again, glad that you're here. I want to encourage you to, to every single week, bring somebody with you. Think about who you can bring with you. We're posting it on Facebook. Share that. Uh, when you get a text, some of you get a text of what we're having, be sure and share that. Pass that on to folks as well. But mainly just be thinking about encouraging folks to join us every single Thursday. I can't say it enough. Uh, we want our men's lunch to grow. We want men to hear what it looks like uh, to be a, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you to inv be inviting folks uh, every single Thursday. Today we're going to pick back up. Last week we went a different direction. Today we're going to pick back up in our verse by verse study of 1 John. Again, a very relevant study, a very timely study for, for the church today. Uh, remember the context. Think about the context. And really you have to understand the verses in light of the context. So remember the context. False teachers have shown up, they have increased in number, and they are influencing the Christian church. That is, that is what's going on. These false teachers have shown up, uh, they're teaching, and they're influencing the Christian church. Now, uh, their main distortion was to who Jesus was, the, the truth of who Jesus was. And there's a, a group, a bunch of early Gnostic folks that are coming on that's saying, you know, he was a spiritual being, but he wasn't a physical being. Uh, there's another group that's saying the exact opposite of that, that he was a man. We saw him as a man, but for sure he's not the son of God. And there's a lot of distortion going on as to who the truth of, of who Jesus truly is. Well, uh, remember the context. Here is the apostle John. Uh, he has walked with Christ he was actually trained by Christ. He was witness uh, to the crucified Christ. He saw Christ crucified. More than that, he saw Jesus resurrected. And so when, when John steps up, you're talking about a guy that had walked with Christ, who knew Christ, who saw him die his death on the cross of Calvary, who saw him resurrected. And so he comes and he sees this threat against the church. He sees these false teachers and he writes this letter of 1 John to address it. Now, what, what a profound thing that is. He sees the truth. He knows the truth. He's walked in the truth. But now as an older man, he sees the threat of false teachers and false teaching creep into the church. And so he writes this letter to address it. Now, I keep saying it, but I'll just, I'll just tell you, man, today, that is once again our situation. Well, why would we want to study 1 John? Today, that is once again our situation. We are clearly living in the day of the false teacher. You look around, uh, that, is, that is us today. There are false teachers and they're springing up in the church. They're again distorting who the truth of who Jesus is. And, and this is a relevant thing for us to study today. We are living in the day of the false teacher. And I want to tell you, I think it's no coincidence that in the end times, the existence of false teachers is going to grow. We are living in the end times as well. Now, the question that I hear and maybe you hear the same thing, but the, the question I hear is this, and, and really everywhere I turn, I hear it. Uh, pe people say this, why does it matter? Well, there's false teachers and they're popping up and we have to address it. He said he, he was gonna address it. Today, people wanna know why does it matter? Aren't you just being divisive? Hear that all the time. Aren't you just being divisive? Aren't you just being judgmental? It's not your place to judge. Aren't you just being judgmental? Aren't we just glad? Why can't we just be glad they believe something? 
And as long as they'll say the name of Jesus or some token words, why, why can't we just be glad they believe something? And the thought today, and I've said it a bunch of times, our thought is, isn't close enough good enough? Well, isn't close enough good enough? Aren't we just believing the same things? Isn't that good enough? Why does it matter? And that's the question I hear today, especially in our age of political correctness, especially in our age of tolerance is held up as the greatest virtue. You know what? Don't stand on the truth. Tolerate all forms of the truth. Tolerance today is proclaimed as the greatest virtue. The question is, why even worry about it? Here's why. Listen very carefully. It is in the truth of Jesus Christ that we are saved alone. Do you understand that? It is in the truth of the good news of our risen, resurrected Savior who died and took the wrath of God for sin, lived a sinless life. It is in the exact truth of Jesus Christ that we are saved. And so anytime you change the truth, anytime you tamper with the truth, people are gonna miss Jesus Christ. And therefore, they will be lost. Why are we upset about this? Isn't this a divisive issue? Listen, if you tamper with the truth, if you change the truth, they're going to miss Jesus Christ and they will be lost. That's the problem. That's the damage. That's the issue. And so that's why the Apostle John writes this letter. Now back, back to this letter. In all of this mistruth, all of this all this mis. Uh, teaching about who Jesus is, part of the problem that goes on is, is the church starts wondering. There's so much information out there and a bunch of it's not true. The church itself starts wondering, are we saved? You notice that today? Are we saved? Can you be sure that we're saved? Do we have eternal life? We're not sure there's so much information out there. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I've put my faith in the truth of Jesus. Be sure, uncertainty is the result of false teaching. Always. It was then, it is today. Uncertainty is the result of false teaching. And so if you've got a false teacher and you've got false teaching, the result of that is gonna be uncertainty. They're wondering, I don't even know if we're saved anymore. I don't know if we have a relationship with Christ anymore. I don't even know what that means anymore. Uncertainty is the result of false teaching. And so see this, John makes it clear, you can know. You're not sure? Too much misinformation? John says this, you can know. Now I'm gonna back up to the verses we looked at last time, verses three through six, listen to these. I'm not sure if I'm saved, can we actually know? That's the question, verse three. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. They, they wanna know, are we saved? Can we know we're saved? John starts off and he says this, you can know you're saved when you have a desire to honor God. 
And that's not what makes you saved. There's no work that makes us saved. But you know what? The, the fact that you understand who Christ is and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can know you're saved when you have a desire to honor God. When, you, when your faith leads you to trust in God. I believe who he is and I believe what he said and my faith has led me to trust in God. And my, my trust in God drives me to obey God. It's as plain as that. They're wondering, there's so much garbage out there, we, we, we don't even know if we're saved anymore. How can you really know? And he says, well, here's a sign. If you've, been, if you've been saved by faith in Christ, you have a desire to honor God and it shows up in obedience. Now, verse four, it says this. If you say that you're saved and yet you have no desire to honor him, to obey him, he says this, you're a liar. That's what he says. You're a liar. You say you're saved and you have no desire to honor him in obedience, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. That's what it says. A very hard thing. You're a liar if that's what you're saying. They're wondering, show us the line. He says, here's the line. Be sure, now listen very carefully. This is big for us. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ alone has the power to change lives has the power to change hearts, has the power to change our priorities. The Bible says in Christ we are a new creation. The old has passed away. Take a look, behold, the new has come. Listen to me, it's not gonna be in your power. It's not gonna be in your resolve. Man, I've got a good resolve. Your resolve's gonna fail. It is only in the power of Jesus Christ that hearts are changed, that priorities begin to change, that your mind begins to change. So he says, you want to know if you're saved, you know what, how it's going to show up? You have a desire to honor him in obedience. Well, today with that precedent set, he gives us another verification. How do you know you're saved? Well, you desire to obey him. That's the first thing. He's going to give us another verification today. Now, let me say this. And really, I'm, I'm going to say this, but it's what he is saying in the verses. And it is a hard, hard truth. If these things, last week's verses, if this thing, today's verse, if this is how that you know that you're saved, when you hear that, it brings confidence. I, I, I'm not sure what I believe. I'm not sure I've heard so much crazy stuff. I don't, I don't know if I'm saved. And he says, you know what? If you're saved, you have a desire to, to honor him through obedience. You know what? My heart looks like that. It brings confidence. This thing that we're going to hear about today, you know what? My heart looks like that. It brings confidence. It's a hard line. This is what it looks like to be saved. But listen, this is also how you know you're not saved. And that's, that's the point to what he was saying. You know what? I'm sitting here and I'm dressing like this and I'm talking this language and I'm here with these folks, but I don't have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. This is also how you know you're not saved and it brings conviction. So on one hand, it brings confidence. You know what? This is my heart in the power of Jesus Christ. But you know what? This is not my heart, and it brings the conviction. I do not have a settled faith in Jesus Christ. So the new evidence, the next evidence, is shown in verses 7 through 11. I'm going to read them together. We'll go back and look at it. Beloved, he's talking to Christians. I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you. 
because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and listen, and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Here's the new evidence that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Here's the new evidence on top of the other one. Now it's stacking up. Here's the evidence that you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. You love your brother. Now listen to the verses one by one. Verse seven. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you've had from the beginning, the old commandment, which is the word which you have heard. Now in verse seven, understand this. He is about to tell them the next mark is love for God's people, for believers, New Testament. The the mark that your heart has changed, the mark that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's about to tell them it is your love for God's people. Now he says this, now, this is not a new commandment. This is, this is nothing new. Now, when, when he says that, I want you to see this. This is a tie into the Old Testament. You know, this is nothing new. This has always been with us. It's, it's a tie into the Old Testament. Understand today, the New Testament doesn't replace the Old Testament. It builds on it. The New Testament doesn't come and say, well, let's set that aside and let's look at this. It, it really completes it in the person of, of Jesus Christ. And so he says here, this is nothing new. In the Old Testament, in many places, in fact, let me give you one example. It's in the book of Leviticus. It says, we shall not bear grudges against God's people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so he says here, this is not a new teaching. This is not a new command, verse eight. On the other hand, I am writing a new command to you, which is true, listen to this, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, verse 7, now listen to this. Verse 7, he says, this is not a new commandment. Now we get to verse 8 and he says, but on the other hand, it is a new commandment. The difference is where it was the law before. It was written down, it was a statute in the law before. Now, It is in Christ Jesus. It says that this is true in him, talking about Jesus. And it's also true in you if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. He says the darkness is passing away. The light, it's talking about Jesus Christ, is now shining. Now what that means is this. Where the command to love had always been there and hadn't changed, now they had, these folks had, the example of love in Jesus No greater man has any love than to lay down his life for his friend. There's an example in Jesus, the person of love. He comes in great love. He goes to the cross in great love. It's the person of love, Jesus. It's the power to love in the power of Jesus, the resurrected Savior. So in the past, it was a command. It was this written statute. Now it's the person of Jesus Christ. It's the power of Jesus Christ. And so where the command hadn't changed, Because of Christ, the now expectation of it has changed. Pretty awesome verse, verse 9. Now here's where we get pretty real. The one who says he's in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness 
until now. Now be sure to understand the light is Jesus. And so the verse says this, the one who says he's in Jesus, the one who says he's in Christ, the one who says he's in the light, but hates his brother is in the darkness until now. Now what that means is this, and it's pretty evident. The one who says he's in Christ but hates his brother, he's lost right up until now. He's not saved. He's lost right up until now. Now now listen and understand this. False teaching always divides. False teaching always divides. It does not unify, not for long. It always divides. Now, in this situation, the false teachers had come there into the church, and they were, they were making a separation there in the church. They were, they were circling up groups there in the church. Now, think about it. They, they come, and they start to teach, and there's the ones who get it and the ones who don't. Man, these people, are, they, they get it. They must be smart. They've got some, something you don't have. And these other folks, they don't get it. So there starts to be groups in the church. Then as it continues on, there's the super spiritual ones. Man, these enlightened ones. And man, they must be in tune with God and they must know the word of God. And so you have the super spiritual ones. And then these that haven't bought into it, well, they're just not. And so you got groups in the church. And it, and it starts in the church and you start to have classes in the church, the haves and the haves nots. Those that get it and those that don't, you start to have divisions in the church. With the embracing of false teaching, they begin to have disdain for the others. And that's what's going on in the church. You know what, I've received this. I must be some super spiritual guy. And this working class guy down here, he can't figure it out. And so I, I start to hate that guy even in the church. There starts to be disdain for each other in the church. John says here, You've bought into the lie and your hatred for the brethren reveals you're not even saved. That's what he tells them as plain as that. Verse 10. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. It's the flip side of it. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Who loves his brother? The one who loves his brother. His brother. Now I want to stop right here and talk about love. The one who loves his brother. The world has hijacked our understanding of love. The world has messed up our understanding of love. Listen to me. Love is not an emotion. Love love is not a feeling. It's not some it's not some feeling. Well, I don't feel like that. You know what? Love's not a feeling. Christian love, agape love, means this. This is what it means. To sacrificially give yourself for another. Husbands, love your wife. Well, I don't feel like it. Listen, you're called to sacrificially give yourself for her. We're supposed to love the brethren, sacrificially give ourselves for the the church. We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to sacrificially give ourselves to one another. Listen, that's a choice. That's, That's not some emotion. That's that's an action. That's not some emotion that that clouds up in our brain. He commands us here, don't have a feeling. He commands us here, have this action. Give yourself sacrificially for others. The person of love, Jesus Christ. The example of love, the cross of Calvary. The power to love, the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. 
It's not, it's not some, it's not some emotion. Have this emotion for each other. No, it's make this choice. The one that says who loves his brother abides in the light. This is the plain teaching. Abides means lives in, is intertwined in, exists in. Now the light is Jesus. The one who loves his brother exists in Jesus. The one who loves his brother abides in Jesus. Now here's where this becomes very plain to me. How do you know this person is saved? We got so much crazy teaching going on here, we can't even discern what the gospel is anymore. How do I know this person is a follower of Jesus Christ? You know how we know? It's because of this. Love is not normal. In fact, selfishness is normal. Self-seeking is normal. Self-promotion, that is normal. This is not in us. And so when you see somebody and they're able to love somebody that's not like them, so able to love somebody that doesn't have the background they have, able to love somebody that has a different perspective than they have, listen to me, there has been a change in their heart that came through Jesus Christ. And so you want to know when a person's saved when they're abiding in Christ, when they love their Christian brother. Then it says this, and I, I, I couldn't pass this up. They love Christ. They abide in Christ, so they love their Christian brother. Then the verse says this, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. There is no cause for stumbling in him. Now, let me just, let me just point this out. This is my experience. Divisive people always lead other people to be divisive. You ever notice that? Divisive people, it's not good enough for them to be mad. It's not good enough for them to be divisive. It's not good enough for them to run people down and to try to make groups in the church. They always have to suck somebody else in with them. They always have to talk about somebody else and draw somebody else in with them. And you know what? Did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they've done? And I want you to be on my side. A divisive person always enlists the helps of others. They stir crud up. Man, you can watch them. They'll show up and you can see it in their eyes and it doesn't take long and they stir it up and they draw people in. You know what it says? The person that's abiding in Christ, there is no cause in stumbling with them. You know what? They're not going to lead you into sin. They're not going to lead you into divisiveness. They're not going to lead you into backbiting and gossip and factions and garbage. They're going to lead you into the love of Jesus Christ and they're going to walk it out and live it. This person here, they're going to give you cause for offense and stumbling. Verse 11, last verse. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now see the picture of verse 11. It just gets heavier and heavier. The one who hates his brother, they are in it. They are in the darkness. They, they can pretend and act one way. They are in the darkness. It says they walk in the darkness. That means the pattern of their life is in darkness. You watch the pattern of their life. They exist in darkness. And then it says this. They have become consumed in darkness. They exist in it. They walk in it. They live in it. And they have become consumed in darkness. They are bitter and they are foul. And if you're close to them, there's hatred that that comes out of them. And they may come to our churches and they may sit there with a great big Bible and they may get on the power positions in your church, but there is darkness in them and darkness comes out of them and they enlist others and drag them into the darkness. Isn't this our day? 
I read these verses and I go, isn't this our day? You watch the news. You look at our schools. You look at our neighborhoods. You look at our churches. Division. I'm talking division and I'm talking hatred. This life and that life and, and, and this race and that job and that career and that education. Division. Democrats and Republicans and this and that. Division. Factions, groups, fights, racism. That's, that's our day. That's the reality of our day. Look at the world we're existing in. And then let me just tell you this. The answer to that is not tolerance. That's what was killing them right here. Well, it's enlightened to take everybody's view and count it all as valid. Listen, the, the answer today for our problems, for our division today is not tolerance. The answer today is not more training and more education. I was watching today where, where Starbucks is offering training in how to appease somebody. Listen, the answer is not more training and it's not more education. It's not to find common ground. If we could all get together and find common ground, well, I think we'd be able to find a peaceful revolution. It is not tolerance. It's not education. It's not common ground. The answer is what John rose up to write about. The answer is Jesus Christ alone. You want to know when we're going to have peace? Yes. It's when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and when we love like Jesus Christ and when we uphold each other to the standard of Jesus Christ, when the Prince of Peace brings peace that the world cannot give and the peace that the world cannot understand, that is alone when we will have peace. You're sitting here today in turmoil and chaos and bitterness. Let me tell you something. You need to get saved. God's grace is extended to you today. You're sitting here and you can't get over it. God's grace is extended to you today. You know what? If we'll confess our sins, he's faithful. He'll forgive us. If we tell him to come into our hearts and to save us, if we'll profess him with our mouth as Lord because we believe it in our heart, we will be saved. And then the answer for us as believers today is this. You know what? Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. My hope today, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You know what? I have to keep my eyes on Christ. I have to stay in his word and live according to it. I have to want to honor him and do it in obedience. Abide in Christ. Our answer today is this, Jesus. Our hope today, Jesus. Receive him by faith if you've received him. Abide in Jesus. Glad you're here. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Glad y'all are here today. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful that, that the division in my heart, the hatred in my heart, the bitterness in my heart is changed when you created me a new heart by faith in Jesus Christ. Not any power or intellect or resolve of my own, but I become a new creation when I'm in, in Christ. And so I pray for some today that have, have not put their faith in Christ. I pray in this day that they would understand their hope alone is in Jesus. There's going to be redemption alone in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness for all sin only in Jesus Christ. And today they would settle that. They'd call you their Lord. They would settle that. I pray for us here today as believers that we wouldn't get sucked into the garbage and the bitterness and the rage of the world, but we would be agents of the one we follow, agents of Christ, ambassadors of his love. Help us in that. I pray for the men in this room. Bless them. 
Encourage them, teach them, train them. Pray for some folks in this room going through some extremely hard times. Pray that you'd be their strength today, that you'd be their peace in the days that are ahead. We trust this to you. We tell you we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.